The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are again, week after week. <laughs> we're like very stable for the people listening to us as we're here every week discussing what needs to be talked about in regards to this drug epidemic. Well, exactly. And I'm sorry that we missed one week when I was in LA, but um, we're back on track now. I want to let our listeners know that last week I was at the sixth annual Southeastern U.S. Regional Drug Prevention Summit. Um, It was in Tampa, Florida, and I did interviews with uh, various different people, and that have, you know, like different perspectives on the drug problem. And so um, we're going to we're gonna do some of those interviews over the next few weeks. But um, yeah, I'm very excited about that. I am too. I, uh, there were some there yeah. were some really, really good people there. Um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to throw you and I out of the uh, Kratom hornet's nest and back into the <laughs> marijuana hornet's nest. Because okay. the interview, when we get to it, is a guy who works for the Florida, uh, I guess, chapter of high the high-intensity drug trafficking areas program. It's called HIDA. And there's, uh, right. there's one in different parts of the country. And this guy is in Florida. He actually, interestingly enough, he used to work for the DEA and... Um, somehow, I think we're, I don't know if we talked about this in the interview or not, but somehow we started talking about the recent movie with Tom Cruise and the character that he played. And oh, yeah. um, he had, <laughs> he had never met that guy, but he knew who the guy was. And so right. anyway, it was just, it was, it was fascinating because he, he was around in the Miami Vice era and he was in Miami at the time. So anyway, he has the law enforcement background. But uh, I picked, gotcha. I, I want to do a pop quiz here. This is a pop quiz for the okay. listeners. This is for the listeners who um, are maybe either on the fence or really in favor of the legalization of marijuana. So this is uh, this was a pamphlet I picked up there, put up by AAA, and it's five true or false questions, and it's what do you know about marijuana and driving? Are you ready? Uh-huh. And now you'll know the answers to these, and I knew the answers to these, but I want the people listening to answer these questions, and then I will say what the answer is. So these are true or false. Number one, low doses of marijuana can affect driving abilities. Oh, I know the answer to that. Me, me, pick me. Okay, I'm (laughs) going to pick you. What do you think that answer is? Is it true or false? True or false? Repeat it one more time. Low doses of marijuana can affect driving abilities. True. Ding, ding, ding. True. Even oh, yeah. Yeah, even low doses of marijuana can affect the brain's judgment and functioning. Okay, for people listening, okay. this is AAA. This is not me. This is not opinion. This is what it says. Okay, number two, true or false. These are all true or false. Convictions for driving after using marijuana have increased over the past few years. Ding, ding, ding. True. The number of... <laughs> this is, this is, a, this is our, our trivia game tonight. Okay, true. The number, like- the number of, quote, green DUIs, end quote, 
has increased by approximately 47% from 2007 to 2013. And that came from the IIHS 2015-504 status report. There you go. Okay. You're doing very well. Okay, number three. So far, so good. Yep. (laughs) Number three, true or false. Some people drive better when high on marijuana. That's false. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) So the pamphlet says false, although it might seem that way to some users, even low doses reduce one's driving abilities. Drivers. I can't believe anyone out there actually thinks they drive better under the influence of marijuana. As me personally, when I would, when I have, I've been guilty of driving while stoned. I was so nervous and so scared and so paranoid. I probably drove about fifteen miles an hour. <laughs> I can't imagine that's real safe and that's like considered better. I'm driving slowly. I'm like in a fifty mile an hour speed <laughs> speed zone. And driving 15 miles an hour, checking my mirrors, making sure my seatbelts, you know, all that stuff. And I was like hyper paranoid. And I can't imagine that that kind of experience, people had the realization, oh, well, I mean, to drive better like this is I'm driving slower. I don't think so. That was the scariest experience in my life. Well, you know, I'm guessing that these questions um, have come up. And that's why they're, they're so. here. Okay, so anyway, you're doing fine. You're three for three. So here's number four. Okay. A driver could be charged with DWI, DUI, for driving after consuming marijuana. True. Ding, ding, ding. True. I'm 100% on this little pop quiz. I'm very excited about that. Yes. <laughs> States DWI, DUI laws apply to impairment by any drug, not just by alcohol. And well, a lot of states have a metabolite law, actually, that I found out. That means you can't drive legally with any illegal or legal drug metabolite in your system at the, you know, while you're operating a motor vehicle. Now, what's scary to think is how many people are out there driving cars under the influence of prescription drugs. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, any, so for people listening, if you take drugs, you take prescription drugs or anything, and you get in a motor vehicle accident, you get pulled over in some states, and they suspect that you're under the influence you absolutely can be charged with being under the influence or having the metabolite of any drug in your system. So, you know, I, I urge people just to be careful about that because that's a big thing that people don't know about, don't realize. Yep, yep. And here's the last question, true or false, the effects of okay. marijuana wear off after one hour. False. Right. Ding, ding, ding. Sorry, I forgot your little bell. <laughs> I was waiting for my bell. Sorry. Major impairment can last up to about five hours. Marijuana affects... Sorry? I was going to say, that goes into uh, the difference in marijuana between the marijuana of like 15, 20 years ago and the marijuana of today is because back in the day, yeah, I mean, low dose of THC, you would get high for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. Now that people are consuming THC in such high quantities, it lasts a lot longer, as would be expected. Right. It says, um, marijuana affects everyone differently, making it difficult to estimate the effects or predict when effects wear off. 
Huh. It, it says research shows that drivers involved in crashes who tested positive for THC were three to seven times more likely to be responsible for having caused the collision. Wow. Now, I'll, I'll admit this, too. My first car accident ever was because I was under the influence of marijuana. Okay. Uh, <laughs> first car accident ever. I, was, I just got my license probably six months earlier, and... Um, I got I got high with a kid at school and I drove and I smashed into a parked car. So I'll never forget that. There you go. But um, there's nothing safe about operating a motor vehicle under mar- under the influence of marijuana. No. As many people think it's no big deal, it's super benign. It's, you know, I can you know smoke a joint, get my car if I go to the store if I need to or whatever. It's like just like you wouldn't drive under the influence of alcohol. You shouldn't drive under the influence of marijuana or any drug for that matter. That's right. It says when ingested, marijuana's active ingredient, THC, enters the bloodstream rapidly if smoked and is then distributed throughout the body. In addition to other effects, THC disrupts key parts of the brain that influence the perception of time, concentration, movement, memory, and coordination, all important to safe driving. Drivers who have ingested marijuana may not be able to accurately perceive the traffic environment, make good decisions, or take appropriate actions based on their decisions. Although research results are mixed, some studies show that for drivers using marijuana, their crash risk approximately doubles. That's an increase of 100%. And if anybody wants to know where these figures came from, you know, feel free to um, email me. Uh, my email on the podcast card is uh, Mac 69 at yahoo.com. That's J-O-A-N-I-E-M-A-C-6-9 at yahoo.com. And that is the year I graduated high school. That is why that is in there. But um, yeah, so those are the facts. Those are from a AAA uh, brochure. I didn't make it up. And um, yeah, there you go. There you go. Black and white. Yep. Yeah, not just not, not just my opinion. I'm sure I'll get we'll get lots of comments about this, but that's just fine. So yeah. why don't we yeah. play the interview with Steve Collins? Okay. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, now I am speaking to Steve Collins, and he is the director of Central Florida HIDTA, which is high intensity. Drug Trafficking Agency. Is that right? Program. Uh, Pro- gr- drug program. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's, called, it's pronounced Haida. Haida? Okay, Haida. perfect. And you're located in Florida. Yes. And I caught, um, I caught a little bit of your presentation about the study that you're doing on the legalization of marijuana, medical marijuana in our state. And what's your take on that? Well, I think what we're trying to do is it's, it's an educational document uh, since the amendment has passed and is beginning to be rolled out. Uh, we wanted to get a baseline of statistical data uh, and publish in a report. And then 12 months from now, uh, go back and take a look at the various statistics where this, uh, the, the, the legalization of medical marijuana in Florida is what impact it's, it's going to have, both economically, uh, uh, through surveys of higher rates of drug experimentation or drug use, medical uh, marijuana use, uh, crash information, uh, driving under the influence, 
thing, things of that nature, and set a baseline similar to what uh, the Rocky Mountain Haida has, is, uh, has been publishing since medical marijuana came to that state and then subsequent you know, legalization. Right. Do you have any feel for it yet in terms of how it's going to roll out or what, what we're seeing? Do you have any not, feel for Not it? yet, no. Uh, it's, it's in the final stages of being, of being drafted, uh, and it's like a collaborative effort between the three Haidas in, in, in Florida. So I, I, I can't yet. Okay, so. fair enough. But it's out in, what, about a month, you said? I think in three or four weeks, I think we'll have it, we'll have it ready to roll out and be published. Okay, I will be interested in seeing that sure. because um, my co-host, Jason Good, is a former addict, and he works at a residential rehab in Clearwater called Narconon. Mm-hmm. And we have talked a lot about marijuana and how it absolutely should not be legalized recreationally in any way, shape, or form because... There's just there's just too many check marks on the wrong side for that. That's our opinion. You don't have to agree or not, but I'm just going to say that that's that's definitely something that we talk about. And the other thing, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, marijuana is not a gateway drug. And Jason would, you know, differ with those people because he's got people coming in on a regular basis and pretty much the bulk of them started on marijuana and sure. did move to heavier drugs. Sure, sure. I mean, I think... Like you just said, talk, getting people to talk about it, getting people that have moved on to the the opioids, yep. uh, talk about their their beginnings, uh, where where it kind of all all started, mm-hmm. you know, from them. And listen, we we know if if you smoke a joint, you're not going to run right out and buy heroin the next day. That's right. Uh, it's it's a process. Yep. Uh, it's a um, it's a different culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to meet. People that you more than more likely wouldn't have met before, right? Uh, and you know, from a law enforcement standpoint, in, in my career, what I look is, you know, uh, drugs and crime are associated, right? And so there are folks that, unfortunately, that move on to the heavier drugs, the opioids, that have to come up with money for their for their habit to sustain, you know, their their addiction. Uh, which you know influences crime, violence, uh, gang activity, and, and things of those nature. So I think I do think it needs to be talked about. It's great that you have folks on mm-hmm. that basically you know tell their story. Yep. If you can, if you can reach just a few individuals, uh, I mean that's that, that's you've you've been successful. And, and that's you know? what, and that's what we think. Sure. I think um, sure. Steve probably told you we've had like eight thousand downloads. So I like to think that we are reaching people who hopefully are paying attention and listening to it and you know every time jason says every time he posts something about marijuana he gets a lot of kickback on social media and that's fine sure we don't have a problem with that i interviewed a lady a little bit before and she said oh yeah people say that marijuana is a cure for cancer and she's like if that were true she says i have cancer she said that's what i would have done i wouldn't have done you know painful surgeries and other things so sure it's amazing the misinformation out there and i think to the degree that you know your study can be made public and you know this the Haida study done in colorado so that people can just look at the facts okay let's just look at what occurs sure. after this happens you know and do we want that in our state yeah and i you know some people you know that that aren't uh, involved or in uh, involved in using marijuana or any drugs, you know, folks that choose not to do that, but still have the belief that, you know, 
potentially marijuana can't not harmful. Maybe they maybe had a joint back when they were in high school, but it's not your grandfather's marijuana anymore, as you've probably I, heard on this podcast before. Exactly, we've said that many it, times. It's a it's high a concentrated ball game. THC, which does a does a lot of different effects uh, to individuals. And then you bring in the edibles, what I just talked about in there, the horror stories of folks that go to the states where it's legal to purchase that and then consume it thinking, well, I'm not getting high, so I need to eat more of this and I need to eat more of it and eat more of it and, you know, causes some psychotic episodes. Right. Or the fifth grader who took gummies to school right. because he or she, I can't remember if it was a boy or a girl, thought, you know, he was taking candy to school to share with his friends. And then all of a sudden the kids are acting really loopy and the, the school nurse is trying to figure out why. Sure. You know, the other sure. thing that um, Jason has seen with people coming into Narcanon is people addicted to marijuana, just marijuana. They're not even taking any other drug. And that's the drug of their choice that they are now having trouble withdrawing from and coming off of. I don't know how often that happens, but he's seen it. He's had people call and say, I'm addicted to marijuana. Yeah, you know, I, I've always, you know, been of the belief, in, uh, you know, the, at least from the, the, the medical side of the drug business, you know, it's a, uh, it's a psychologically addicting, you know, drug. Now, what effects these higher concentrates of THC have on, on the body as compared to, you know, the marijuana of old? Uh, over a long period of time of extreme use, day in and day out, we don't know yet. Yeah, exactly. And there are we, we just don't. Yeah, we just don't. Yeah, and do I want to experiment with that? Absolutely not. And right. you know, there are some studies that say you know, like extended use of marijuana it can lower the IQ, it can lower reaction time. Well, why would I choose to do that? I just sure. you know, I'm I'm working to stay smart. I don't I don't want to get more stupid. Yeah. And I get questions all the time, you know, when I give presentations or, or talks, you know, from parents that are really, really concerned, you know, want to want to bring their kids up, you know, the, the, in, in, a, in a, the legal way, the safe way and make them productive folks. And they ask me all the time, well, what can I do? What, what can I do to if, if, if I think my kid's using drugs or I suspect it? And I said, well, the first thing you need to do is sit down and talk to them. But they're living in your household. You don't need a search warrant to go in and look in your kid's room. And, and, you can, and a, a drug lot, test. And a lot of parents, you know, have this, well, it's, it's, their, it's their privacy. It's, and I'm, I'm, I was amazed at one presentation I gave, just amazed at people that didn't even want to go down that road or thinking that, you know, that would, you know, interfere with their child's development or their own makeup, or their own personality. And I got I to gotta tell you, I think if more parents did that and took, took the initiative to think, Okay, if they don't find anything, then 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 great. Exactly. But if they do, then you know maybe that one talk initially uh, might make might make the difference uh, with you know a little discipline, but not necessarily discipline in the form of you know punishment, but in the in in the instance of right, let's let's just get this on the table and let's have a let's have a frank conversation about this. I think you're exactly right, and yeah. I think. So often parents don't do that, and that is really the first line of defense with any child. I mean, we can go into the schools, we can do drug education, but I think the first line of defense really is the parent having that talk and saying, here's here's why, you know, we don't do drugs. And there's there's materials 
available on the internet that have true information about these drugs and why it's not a good idea to take them. There's documentaries, there's public service announcements, but there's the information is there. And so if parents go, gee, I don't know exactly how to talk to my kid about drugs. Okay, well, they could Google that and figure it out and find something there. I call it tough love. Yeah. It, 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 you, it's something you have to do. You just, yep. you just cannot, you know, let this, let this slide by or just think it's a phase or uh, you, you, you got to do it because we, you could potentially, you know, at some point save, save your child's life. That's right. Well, we actually did it a lot with our kids and they didn't get into drugs. But, I mean, even with alcohol, you know, our sure. older son, we were like, it's illegal. And even though, yeah, maybe at 16 we were drinking beers, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's illegal. And also the penalties today are a lot worse than when I was younger, in the same way that the THC is worse than the marijuana. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I understand like, exactly what you're saying. Now you've been drinking and you're out there driving and you get caught. It's it's not good. And I go, to, I go to universities and, and give give talks to uh, freshman college students and, and students that are interested in going into government work or law enforcement or criminal justice uh, or any, any job all, along those lines. And the first thing I point out to them is, you know, you're going to have to go through a rigorous background investigation. And so you're getting a quality education. You may be going on to get a master's degree. Either you're, you, you've, you're taking out loans for this to, to go into a field of study that requires you to have a background investigation, only to find out after you finish school and you've been given a conditional offer of employment with a federal law enforcement agency or a defense contractor or whatever, and that you're turned down because right. of something you know stupid that you did a long time ago. That, um, it's a very good point. I interviewed a former addict, and he had been in the Navy and then had become addicted to drugs and he can't he can't go back in and he loved it and he would i said would you have liked to go back in and he said absolutely sure yeah sure other than marijuana what are some of the focuses of your office these days well in our particular area in central florida you know our biggest threat you know drug threat is the heroin fentanyl issue uh not not only with the overdoses but the trafficking uh and i spoke about that a, a while ago uh it's over the past several years has risen to the top of everybody's radar uh, as far as their focus of, of investigations because it's just prolific at this point in time. Uh, it's it's very cheap to purchase. Again, I talked about the fact that a lot of folks that are heroin addicts, you know, that are thinking they're getting, you know, heroin, but it's got a, you know, a mixture or a cut of, of fentanyl in it or one of the fentanyl analogs. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's not good. So fentanyl deaths outnumber heroin deaths in the state of Florida right now for cause death in two, from the 2016 statistics. Wow. So it is, a, that is, on, it is our top priority right now. Uh, and also, obviously, the, the cocaine threat is still here. Uh, probably will be looming a little larger here with the increased you know, production of, uh, of cocaine coming out of South America. Okay. Uh, so, you know, those, those two issues, you know, along with the methamphetamine issue, the ice methamphetamine, the higher purity meth uh, that everybody's in, in demand for, you know, those are probably our, our, uh, our top three issues. And then, you know, the associated violence, you know, right. drug trafficking and guns and, and, and violence, but amongst themselves and also those folks that are innocent bystanders in the whole thing. Right. So, well, thank you for what you do. Thank, thank you for you. talking. And thank you for what you've done here, and uh, I'm. Uh, it, it sounds like a you know a good a good thing that you're doing, and get the word out. And it's my, 
Well, thank you for talking on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Okay, and if at any time in the future that you would like to come on the podcast again, maybe there's some new issue that you sure. want to talk about and yeah, make people aware of, oh, I'd love you, to. you are welcome anytime. Okay, very Abs- good. I'll give absolutely. you one of my cards. And, you know, I, 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 I got oh, your card. Oh, you got my card? Okay. Take one of mine absolutely. and you're welcome. So what did you think? I think it's great. Uh, I'm interested to see what that report is going to say because, like I said, like I've said a million times before, every state is going to follow suit with what happened in Colorado. That's right. And I can't see Florida being different from Massachusetts being different from Colorado being different from Alaska and Oregon and Washington. It's just like it's all the same thing. What all all that it is is a lowering of our society's moral compass. Right. You know what I mean? It's like we're saying this is okay right now, but what that does open the doors for other things to be okay. Well, and not and, and not, I'm afraid. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and not just the moral compass. I mean, as I just read out of that pamphlet, we're lowering the intelligence and the reaction time and the, you know, the ability to perceive um, our environment. We're lowering that. Right, and you know, a lot of people talk about well, marijuana has anti-cancer effects and it has this medical benefit and that medical benefit. But as with any quote-unquote medicine, you have to weigh the pros and the cons. Like, does it do more harm than good? You know what I mean? Yep. And, you know, I'm not going to debate whether medical marijuana or marijuana in general has any of those benefits or whatever. I don't think it's, it's, its risks outweigh the benefits because... There's a ton of risks associated with marijuana use, and people don't like to admit that. People don't like to see that. And as you and I both certainly know, it's a very emotional, it's a very emotional issue for people. And um, I don't think this is going to end well. I really, really, really don't. Because I haven't seen it end well yet. Right. And, you know, like you said, you know, you have people that have some really negative reactions to marijuana, especially the edibles. And the edibles are some of the most dangerous, you know, types of marijuana in the event that can cause psychotic breaks and things like that. And, you know, eating marijuana, you get more bioavailable THC, meaning your body's absorbing more of it if you're smoking it. And as anyone that's ever eaten weed brownies or any edibles know, it takes a long time for it to kick in. And so, like he said, you know, people redose and redose, and all of a sudden they're way too high and have a crisis. Right. Right. Well, and, uh, well, I, I guess I, you know, I guess it remains to be seen, Joe. Yeah. I, I guess we have to we have to see it happen in our state for people to wake up and go, oh, maybe this was a bad idea. Maybe this wasn't the way we need to go about doing things. Right. Well, what worries me is that we're going to legalize marijuana. So okay, fine. Then when when are they going to say, well, this year we're going to go for medical cocaine? Yeah. And we found out that cocaine has these medical benefits, and we're going to go this route. And then when they say you know, we're going to legalize this and legalize that. Eventually, we're going to find ourselves in a position where everything's legalized, and then what do we do? Yeah. Well, I think what I want to but do, I, what, I think what I want to do is I want to, um, I will email Steve because I looked online and I couldn't find it, but I'm going to email him and find out how I can get a copy of the Colorado report. And then maybe right. when the Florida report comes out in three or four weeks, maybe we should interview him again and he can go over that report with us and, you know, kind of translate it and tell us, you know, what it all means. Can I make an interesting observation? Sure. 
this just occurred occurred to me. And it's not funny. I'm laughing to myself because it's like, I don't think I didn't really see this before. But so we have a meth and an opioid epidemic, both of which drugs have legal forms. Right. So I don't think the question is in legalities, really. You know what I mean? Because people are doing drugs all over the place. Yeah, we're legalizing medical marijuana. We don't have a marijuana epidemic, so to speak. We have a methamphetamine epidemic, which you can actually get prescription meth. It's a drug called desoxin. It's it's given for narcolepsy and weight loss. And then with opioids, I mean, come on, there's millions, there's tons of opioids out there that are all completely legal and that you can get in the comfort of your doctor's office. Right. And those are the two things we have major epidemic with. Right. It, I think, you know, what comes down to, and I've said this before, it comes down to the fact that we in the United States have this like insatiable thirst for drugs and we just are not comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. Right. And we have to learn how to face our problems, deal with life, and realize that life isn't always comfortable. Life isn't always, you know, rainbows and butterflies and peaches and cream. Like, life is terrible sometimes. Life is hard sometimes. And you have problems, you have situations that come up, but the answer is never in the bottom of the pillbox. Right. And the answer is never in a joint or in a drink or in a whatever. The answer is, you know, we have to teach our kids from a young age to learn that, one, it's okay when things aren't okay. Two, it's okay to be uncomfortable and it's okay to have problems. It's all in how you deal with it. And the fact of the matter is you have to actually deal with it because otherwise you end up in a situation like we're in right now, societally. Right. I agree. And so I just, I just think it's an interesting observation. So many people have this button on legal versus illegal, but look around us. Most of what's legal is what we have a major problem with. And so I don't, it used to be that kind of debate where it's a legality debate and whether things should be or shouldn't be legal. But I think we're looking at the wrong, you know, the wrong part of everything. Right. You have to look at the fact that what are we going to do as a country, as a nation, as a species, you know, man being a species, what are we going to do about the fact that we can't get out of our own way sometimes when it comes to drug use? Right. And it goes back thousands of years. This is not a new thing. And so I think what you and I do is very important because we can actually educate people on what's going on. And I'm hoping that at some point, some parents play this, these our episodes for their kids and the kid decides not to try a drug based on what he's heard you and I speak about. Yep. It may already be happening. You know, what I mean? you know if anybody if if anybody out there they've done that, like you know, you said your aunt plays them in her school. If she knows of kids yeah. who have decided to not try drugs because of listening to the podcast, you know, it would be great if somebody let us know. Right. Because I didn't have this available to me when I was a kid. I wish I did. Right. Um and technology is a great thing because it allows us to, to bring our message into people's living rooms or into their cars, wherever they're listening to us. Yes. And, and um, we have the ability to really cut through everything and get to the bottom of drugs as a topic. And um, I never got to hear an, uh, a recovered addict talk about their experience with drugs. Had I, it might have been life-changing for me. I just have no way to know because I didn't have it available. None of us really did. That's right. You know, the drug education programs that existed were subpar at best. Yeah. 
and I think now, because we have the ability to do podcasts, we have Narconon that does drug education aside from rehabilitation, and we have other organizations out there that are trying to spread the message of just pure information. Right. Pure yeah, not, oh, it's morally and, wrong, um, or it's ethically wrong, or it's, you know, just say no, right. or or it's not in the Bible, but more, here are the facts, and here's why you might want to think twice before you, you know, take drugs. Is it Right, and essentially, it's up to the individual. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's up to the individual person whether they're going to take drugs or not. It really is. There's nothing that we can do, or anyone else can do, to force their hand one way or another all we can do is arm people with information and allow them to make the best choice for themselves as possible. That's right. That's right. And I enjoy doing this with you every week because every week I'm hoping, and a part of me kind of even knows that each episode we're helping somebody. I don't care if it's one person that decides to get off drugs and get help. I don't care if it's one person or one family that decides to confront their loved one about their addiction or their strange behavior or it's that one person that decides to pick up the phone and call Narconon. If we're helping one, we've done our due though. That's right. And we've done what we set out to do. And, you know, I hope it's helping. And I think it is. I think it is too. And I didn't say this at the beginning because I forgot, but this is episode 46. So we are closing in on having done this for a full year. And, yeah, you know, we've it. got 8,000 downloads, and I think we're reaching people. We may not always know it. Like, they may not call the 800 number that's at the end of the podcast. And by the way, anybody listening, there is a special 800 number at the end of the podcast. But I think that we are reaching people, and I think that we we are saving lives. And so, guess what, guys out there? We're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep repeating the message. So um, next week, Jason, um, I will be here and um, you can come over and you can see my new fancy schmancy software and we'll, Ooh, we'll do it again. Exciting. <laughs> yes, I'm excited. Um, yeah, for the listeners today, we're remote because I got really, really busy over at Narconon, so I couldn't step out. But luckily, technology allows us to still come together and do this. I've, I'm grown, I've grown up. I'm a big girl now. I have a, I have a more advanced um, recording program, so it seems to be doing just fine. So <laughs> there you go. I'm moving up in the world. There we go. Cool. And I will see you in the studio next week. Yes. Everybody have a good week and, you know, get help. If you know somebody, if one of your loved ones you suspect is addicted to drugs, just get help. Call the number at the end of the podcast. Go to narcononsuncoast.org, but do something. Don't do nothing and get some help. I'll second that. Ditto. Okay. <laughs> I will, we'll see you next I will week. talk to you next week, Jason. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 